Welcome back to the VL Army Wrestling Radio Show. First off, I want to thank everybody for your support and feedback after episode one. Hey, if you guys haven't ordered your B-Haw apparel, you're missing out, log on to any of our social media platforms. Find the link and get your gear today. All right, today's episode, episode two, it's going to be a fun one. We got 2012 graduate, two-time team captain, two-time Mr. Tensity winner. He was the firsty guy, and now he's a special forces operator, James Rafferty. What up, Raf? What's up, guys? How y'all doing? Good. How you doing? Good to be here. Good, man. Real good. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, Coach Ward's episode was awesome. So uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be with you guys. And we'll see if uh, see if it can be as fun as that one. That, it sounded like you guys had a good time. That was, that was awesome. Yeah, it was a blast. Uh, you, got, you got big shoes to fill with Coach Ward, but in uh, in your defense, he had a few uh, he had a few old fashions in him by by the end, so he was he was feeling good. I don't think you're gonna position to do that right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you guys uh, I'm glad you guys reached out. I'm glad we could put this together. Yeah. Well, let's get jumping in. So, first things first, Raph. We want to start in the beginning. Um, I want to hear how you were introduced to West Point wrestling kind of how the recruiting process went, maybe what your initial thoughts were about West Point as a high school kid, and then uh, just that process to what brought you there. Yeah, uh, absolutely, man. Um, so I was a kid that grew up in the Philadelphia area. Uh, so from that, I was exposed to the Army-Navy game quite a bit uh, from a young from a young kid. And uh, there was a guy, my dad, my dad coached football for – in 40 years and there was a guy he coached with uh, that had four boys and two of them went to the academy uh, one of them was still active uh, so I used to go over there with my dad to their house and like watch football scouting film and stuff and uh, you'd see like their sabers on the wall and their pictures on the wall and you know I was maybe in like fifth or sixth grade but I used to just start saying man I really want to go to West Point not knowing anything at all about what I was saying and I think my mom uh, wisely capitalized on me starting to say that and then just kept telling me that that's where I wanted to go so there was some early psyops psychological warfare done that made me like dive into that dream and I just from then on I told everyone yeah I wanted to go to West Point uh, so I kind of wanted to be a cadet not knowing what that was uh, when I got to high school I started competing in wrestling and found out uh, that I couldn't see over the football line because I was five foot four inches. Uh, I was never going to fulfill my dream of being an NFL quarterback. Uh, I also couldn't see a baseball when I swung the bat, so I couldn't hit. Uh, so I was never going to be Derek Jeter. So I was a short, uh, kind of soup can shaped dude with no athletic ability. So wrestling is like basically the perfect sport uh, <laughs> for that type of dude. So. The dream uh, of I West think you're shortchanging yourself a little wrestling. bit. Yeah. yeah. Can you remember, uh, did you go to an Army-Navy game? Like, what was the first Army-Navy game you went to? Were you real young, or did you? Actually, yeah, I actually get that question a lot. I We never went uh, because I just with, like, you know, sports and weekends and stuff growing up crazy as a kid, we always used to just watch it uh, from home uh, with, like, my family and stuff, and that was – but we'd always be tuned in early, watch the march on and stuff. So there was a, there was definitely an infatuation or love with, with being a cadet or the idea of being a cadet. 
I'm pretty sure I was like a soldier, an army guy uh, for Halloween, like 12 out of 18 Halloween, so I guess <laughs> 30 something years now. So I don't want to admit how many times I still dress up for Halloween, but um, yeah. So then in, in college, uh, started competing, wanted to wrestle D1. Uh, I met Coach Barbie going into my junior year out at Fargo. Uh, I actually got on the plane, and as fate would have it, uh, I sat down uh, next to a guy who had an Army wrestling polo on, and we were both headed back to Newark, and that was Chuck Barbie. So we had a three-and-a-half-hour flight. Uh, little Jimmy Rafferty was pitching himself hard early. Uh, what, where year was this? Three-and-a-half uh, uh, three hours with Chuck. That's a uh... – Tell us a little about oh, that. Was great. In Chuck's voice. <laughs> it was great. Was this high school uh, ref? Yeah, it was. Uh, I want to say Jordan. It was my summer going into my junior year, Fargo. Uh, I I sought coach out uh, in the stands, like looking for Coach Barbie. I knew what he looked like. I knew who he was. Me and my coach tried to find him. We just couldn't find him in the tournament. You know, just that weekend's crazy. You guys know how Fargo is. And uh, we talked to uh, a couple coaches, but um, Chuck was the only one I really wanted to talk to. And as, like I said, as, as the hand uh, has been on my life of just good fortune and good people, uh, I sat down on the plane to head back to Newark. One of the few flights probably headed back to Newark out of, uh, out of Fargo, North Dakota that day. And I sat right next to Chuck Barbie. Um, so we stayed in touch junior year. And then that recruiting process really started going into senior year. Uh, and he likes to say, I remember that he only likes having one Jersey kid on the team uh, every four years. So we had a, we had a heavy handed Jersey guy. So I got lucky. Uh, <laughs> a couple of 2011 guys were still there on the team. Um, so I got a slot to prep school and uh, the rest is sort of history. Yeah. I have never heard that knowing you for what, 12 years now. I did not know that story. That's hilarious. What would Chuck, <laughs> what would Chuck say, uh, about that conversation with you if, if you if you think he said something I don't know I, I mean honestly I've forgotten I've at least tried to forget uh the 16 year old raft but um I think that I probably I, t I probably was doing a lot more talking than than y'all think uh well actually that's not true but uh you know it it, it might have seemed funny with being that it's Chuck like now in hindsight but I'm sure I was asking like the most absurd off the wall questions. So I was probably <laughs> and he was just probably like, man, all right, dude, we get it. Like you want to come, here's my card. Uh, you went 0 and 2 at Fargo. Good job. But you know, call me a little bit. I bet you if, uh, if we asked Chuck, if sum up the conversation with you in one word, he would say raft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, man, that's funny. I haven't thought about that in a while. That's that's really funny. So you grow up, you got these like people in your life that go to West Point. You like have this dream to go there. Your mom's like all about it. Your dad's all about it. You find yourself yeah. on an airplane with Chuck Barbie of all people. You're pitching yourself yeah. hard to him. So there's probably a lot of recruits that are gonna listen to this, parents, stuff like that. How did your perception of West Point as a young spry junior in high school? change to then when you were a cadet foaming at the mouth with an army wrestling singing on to then now graduated on the other side and you're a special forces operator how did that kind of like change through that whole journey 
Man, it's uh, a great question. Uh, I'd say starting out as a entering in to the academy, uh, to prep school, really, uh, I would say I was super grateful. I felt super fortunate, incredibly thankful. Uh, I did not think as a high school kid uh, that I was going to be accepted. I mean, I really pursued it hard, but I, I was, I definitely thought I was going to be left on this sideline, had a few other plans, Rutgers, Blair Academy, uh, Pitt, U-Pitt, which I, I'm sure would have been, would have been fine options. But yeah, man, when I entered into the prep school, I thought I had like won the lottery. Uh, that's how much it meant to me. Um, I think that that, uh, that was humbly met pretty early at CCBT with what the heck is going on. Uh, my dad, I, I'll never forget my dad um, driving me up to Fort, up to use maps, up to Fort Monmouth. And like, I, I'd never seen him like that. Like, man, you're, you're about to get into it, buddy. <laughs> you think you know what you're getting into, but you have no idea. Um, so I'd say at prep school, uh, I had a really good experience there uh, and was still very much in the grateful man, this is awesome. I had great coaches, uh, Austin Milster and, and Eddie Gibbons, who made that experience like a world-class uh, experience at USMAP. So I was super grateful for that. I think entering into Beast Barracks and the academy in general, I still felt pretty lucky. Uh, but I think when you get there, you start to feel some of the, uh, some of the awe maybe starts to wear off and you, you start to get down to business. Um, I definitely remember the day my dad picked me up from the beach uh my last day in margate city new jersey and drove me up to uh, beast barracks and dropped me off and i was like man this is seeing the academy for like the second time because the first time i'd been up there was as a as a cadet uh, or as a use maps cadet and then going up there for beast barracks it was definitely uh definitely a moving experience for me uh, just because it was a place i really wanted to be and it was like i had a rod um and then as a cadet, man, that's like you, you so quickly f forget, uh, unfortunately, you know, how great of an opportunity you have to be there. And you get bombarded with the, the pressure, the stress, uh, the, the, the test, the constant obstacles, the adversity. And I think that consumes you for a little while, maybe for a, few, a year or two. And then you start to figure out again, like, man, this place is awesome. I got great people in my life, you know, guys like you um, and Brian, who were best friends. You, you make a group of best friends, and you start to see that it's a place that you can really thrive. And I think that about midway through my cadet career, I started to stop fighting the system and then just started to get to work, uh, really tried to pursue my grades, uh, pursue being an added member of the Army wrestling team in whatever capacity that was. Uh, and now, looking back, I tell people – um, but just last night I was sitting with uh, one of the senior commanders that's out here and we were talking about West Point and I, and I was like, honestly, that he was with his Sergeant Major and I was like, honestly, Sergeant Major, I'll, I might be a few, one of the few, but I, I'll say I had a great time there. Um, I had a great experience there and it a lot, had a lot to do with that. I was an athlete and I was an army wrestler and those dudes are all like my brothers now. Um, but I really look back on West Point fondly. I love saying though that it's it's a great place to visit, maybe not to live, but uh, we you know a lot of us had good experiences there, and, and that's that's definitely my uh, my take. 
the raft now gearing into you know, like the creation of B-Haw. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I graduated, you know, probably about a year or so before it, the, the start of it happened. Um, can you dive into kind of how it began? You know, what were the, you know, the, the beginning steps? Um, you know, Coach Ward kind of talked about, you know, when he came, um, you know, a couple of years later after we started and kind of gearing it, you know, gearing it forward. Can you share kind of the beginning steps and kind of how it was introduced? Yeah. Um, we had, uh, you know, a lot of you know, the history of Army Wrestling is, is midway through the class of 2012. We had a coaching change. Uh, I can't say enough good things about Chuck Barbie. I mean, in a lot of ways, he saved my life by sending me, uh, and more amazing one, by, by giving me a chance. Um, but Joe Heskett, uh, came in uh, with a lot of fire. Uh, that guy is an amazing, incredible human being. Um, and he, when he entered into the room, you could you could tell the one the one thing he wanted to focus on was building men and building a culture, uh, building an environment where people could chase uh, NCAA championships, All American um, podiums, and but really his focus was maximizing potential in human beings. So the culture was his ticket to that. That was like his pathway for that. And the one thing, if you do any sort of study on organizational leadership or you know, culture change, uh, the key thread through a lot of that stuff is that you have to have a basic set of principles that everyone is bought in on. Uh, when, you, when you're trying to build a culture, separate of those basic principles, it's hard to do. So he took Doc Z, um, Brought Doxie into the fold. Everyone listening uh, who knows Doxie knows he's he's an incredible academic, and his advice was to build the culture yourself. You know, agree upon the cultural principles that are within guys that they already um, they already bought in on, and get their input. So we sat around um, and did a Doxie session, we like to call it, and he uh, just for context. Yeah, for context, yeah. Doxie is. Dr. Nathan Zenzer, he's like the leading professional in sports psychology in the country, and he happens to be at West Point. He's been there for 28 years, I think, and he yeah. uh, runs the Center for Enhanced Performance. Lucky enough, we have him involved with the wrestling team. But, yeah, go ahead, Raf. Yeah, I mean, Doc Z is – I mean, just Google him. He's a world-class academic and professional and leader in his industry. Uh, so, anyways, as – as that transition happened, uh, Joe wanted to uh, cleanly define those, uh, cleanly define that culture. Uh, we didn't really know what the exercise was. I mean, we were we were college students, so we we're just participating uh, willfully, of course. Um, but the uh, the exercise was he brought us into a room. Um, he talked about army army wrestling, not trying to prompt us or prime us, but really just have us understand that we're part of something special he gave us a joe speech that only joe can give um he's a motivator and influencer like like no no one else uh but anyway doc z passes out pieces of paper and pens and he asks us hey what are some words just give us words you don't need to write definitions of what it means to be an army wrestler so we got 40 something guys in the room um they all center up those pieces of paper and doc z starts reading them back to us the words that guys are uh, using to describe what an army wrestler is. Um, not the definitions, just the words. And he started to tally 
the repetitive words and the sequence of who was saying what. Um, and some of those words that came out were what created Beehaw. I think at the end there was maybe six or seven uh, where a few started to bleed over, but that's where you got brotherhood, heart, at, attitude, and warrior because um, of how many people said that. And what was incredible was that people weren't prompted to do so. Um, they were just asked what it means to be an army wrestler. And these were the words that came to mind across the majority, uh, which I think indicates, you know, this is a, this is a culture that already existed that was built by years and years and generations of army wrestlers. We didn't like as a t class of 2012 for the years that were there, Casey's class and a couple other uh, classes that were there that did this, but we didn't define anything that wasn't already there. Uh, we were just happened to be the kids that sat around and, and put pen to paper. Um, so the B-Hall, I think what's important is to know that the B-Hall culture is not assigned really. It's, it's a culmination of decades of hard-earned army culture um, that just got captured in those four words. Uh, so we, we did that. And then um, we took those four words back and tried to create a creed uh, penned by the the greatest poet in U.S. Army wrestling history, uh, Mike Gorman, uh, future uh, world-class physical education extraordinaire at the United States Military Academy. Uh, anyway, he's he's great with uh, with a pen and paper. So he 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 crafted us a creed. A couple of us looked it over and, and chopped it up, and that's that's how you got the the B Hall Creed. Uh, the order of the words kind of came after. I think Joe might have had a little something to do with that because uh, it was catchy and you could say one, two, three, B-Hall, and it sounded pretty sweet. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss that one up to Joe Haskett's creativity, but that's kind of how all that came together. Just that's take it. Yeah, the, um, like when I look back, you know, just following Army Wrestling, you know, as a fan the past, you know, 10, year, 10 or so years after I graduated, um, you know, I can definitely see, you know, how it's developed over time. Like, can you, uh, can you speak to like, was it like, kind of, did it resonate immediately? Like, it seems like B-Hall initially when you guys were doing it then, like I, I didn't hear about it from a fan perspective. And all of a sudden, like five years later, you know, I started to hear about B-Hall all the time. You know, can you speak yeah. to that? Yeah, I think it, it definitely resonated quickly. Uh, because like I said, it was really just defining what was already going on and putting a name to what our culture was. I think for us, especially the, like the brotherhood thing is understood really, um, you know, in the line of work we're in, that goes without saying the army wrestling team is a family, man, a deep seated family, but the, the heart of a warrior or heart slash attitude of a warrior was, it was really a phrase and it was a, it was just being you know, sort of nasty out there on that, like just getting after it. Uh, that was what we did. Um, so adding a name to it, I think that we had that culture on our team, but I, I think you're right, Brian. I think it took a couple of years to really become a, a, a mantra, if you will. And, it, and I know that Jordan's class and the few classes that came after it, they had really strong leaders and they just took it and ran with it. Like Tompkins, Chandler Smith, like these guys who, um, they took that phrase and they made it their their marching um, their marching orders, and it it was it's cool to see. I think it, where it's grown now, it's pretty special. I don't know a lot of other teams that have this type of thing that have a like a common creed that's lasted like this. 
uh, and it's pretty cool to be a part of. Well, you mentioned Joe Haskett. I just wanted to let the listeners know. So everybody that knows Joe, he was, you know, the head coach at Army, uh, extreme motivator, um, you know, great leader. Unfortunately, he suffered a stroke um, in the last four months, I believe, and he's got quite a road of recovery ahead of him. Uh, if you're available to to donate, the links in our in our bio on all the social media platforms. I know that him and his family's got three children would greatly appreciate that. Yeah, Joe is, uh, you know, Joe and I have actually had a really special uh, relationship following the academy. Uh, coming out of school, I was looking for, I was just looking for a way, man. And I was just looking at, to learn how he built his career. Uh, I, I could, I mean, there, I spent hours on the phone with Joe, uh, being a young officer, just trying to figure out how to lead, how to be a man. Um, so he is more than um, more than we could even put into words, and what he's done, what he did for the team, and what he does for young young kids all over the country uh, is pretty incredible. So yeah, I mean, donating to his family, donating to his uh, club, his re- rehabilitation. I mean, Joe's going to fight back like he always does. Uh, we love him, uh, and we're praying for him for sure. Awesome. Thanks for that, Raph. The um, switching gears a little bit, you kind of talked um, just now a little bit about trying to find your way, you know, after the academy. Um, now, you know, as a special forces officer, you know, there, we're going to have a lot of listeners, you know, probably maybe recruits, parents, you know, going through the special forces qualification course. Um, were there any experiences that stood out like during, during that course that Army Wrestling prepared you for, you know, specific examples um, that you can think of? Yeah. Um, I would say that they're just the totality of the, the army wrestling career, uh, is really a foundational crucible adversity, uh, incredible experience that I think when, like when you put it in perspective to anything you're about to go do, uh, if you have that, like if you're standing on that platform, um, you should be at least, uh, confident that you can accomplish anything. And why I tell that to guys is like, there's no u- unit out there. There's no thing. There's no uh, company. There's no family you can't build. There's nothing you can't accomplish if you've been through that army wrestling gauntlet. So like whatever dreams you have, you should go after them. Um, for me, SF was that. Uh, going to West Point, met a lot of Green Berets that were incredible. I looked up to them and I just wanted to be like them. Uh, so I think when you, when you talk about what prepared me, Ryan, I think of two things. I think of uh, detailed preparation and then really like the train up to go to selection in the Q course. I fell back on a lot of my training. Um, you, know, you hear Chandler talk about this in his training methodology. You find your weakness and you press into those weaknesses. You try to find what it is you're not great at. Um, and that's wrestling all day. You know, you find positions you're not comfortable in and you put yourself in those positions. Uh, you find that information you might not know, you study that information. So that's the preparedness. But for the for the train-up, um, I had a good program that I followed that was a conglomerate of a lot of different uh, a lot of different guys and how they got ready for SFAS. Um, and I ran hard. Uh, and I focused, there was a lot of, there was a lot of physical focus, but I actually met with, 
one thing a lot of people may not know, I talked to you know close buddies that I met with a sports psych probably for the whole year prior to selection uh, because I knew that there was yeah there was this lingering concern I had uh, from my army from my wrestling career, high school and um, college where. I always had this thing, man, when the lights were on, Rafferty kind of, he fell a little bit short. Uh, and in a 19-day selection period, you don't have time to fall short. Um, if you're going to fail uh, once or twice, that might be okay. But at 19 days, you got to show up and, and compete and do well every day. Um, so I did not want to walk into that. So I, I attacked that through, you know, counselors in my personal life uh, with guys from uh, my church in Savannah just got really close to built relationships, tried to understand what that was. And then the second piece was meeting with sports psychs and one in particular at, at Savannah and at Fort Stewart and just talk through like, Hey, when life's like, what is this thing that sticks out from uh, when the pressure rises or the stress is on? Why is there not performance? And, and just work through that. Um, and it was from matches that I had identified that weakness and I poured into it uh, before going S to BS and it, it really helped out. It really did. So how did, I guess on, on that same note, I mean, what did you, what differences did you, I, did you kind of see after the fact that you, that you made, you know, you kind of like, you gave us that and it's in its totality. Like, yeah, I made these changes, you know, what changes were those? Cause I, I I'm sure there's, yeah. you know, high school wrestlers out there right now that are going to listen to this and you know, that, or your college wrestlers, you know, current, you know, yeah. pals and plebes that are, you know, gonna have, you know, be on our lights next year. Like, what what are some things you specifically learned um, from that? Yeah, I think if you if you look at if you if you study elite athletes, you study elite performers um, when they're at their peak. Uh, I think a lot of them will tell you is there's an obsession with a preparedness, uh, so that when you're in that stressful environment. You can look back on your training and you can recall what you've done in those stressful moments. So let's say I'm rucking 26 miles uh, for time and I don't know what the time standard is or whatever. Um, and I'm on that ruck and I start thinking, man, I'm going slow or man, these guys around me are beating me or man. And those natural uh, physiological changes in your body start to cause you to question what it is you're doing or how you're performing in that moment. You need to drown out that voice with a still small voice of, but you've prepared, James. You've you've rucked 30 miles. Uh, you you are better. You can compete. Um, and there's there's a little it's a it's a self talk technique, but that that technique can be honed and it can be sharpened, uh, and it can be really strong when you come up against a little bit of resistance, a little bit of adversity, to push yourself through. And I I. I dial it back into preparedness, um, study, uh, reading some of the, some of these things where you're filling your, your thought process with more positivity, then that's just going to drown out and totally wash away any little negative thought that could perk up. Um, and there's a, there's a ton of studies out on that stuff that talks about, you know, positive influence, um, through either self-talk or through, video or speech or, or, or those types of things. But that, that's the change I made. Uh, it was, it was very effective. That's interesting. Yeah. We're going to have, we're going to have Doc Z um, on a following episode. So uh, I want to ask that specifically so I can follow up with him. We can, uh, we can talk to him and dive into that a little bit. 
Um, we're gonna get his perspective on B-Hall and other things, but I'd like to pick his brain for about 12 hours on all that. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's available. I mean, he I know he would dive into it. Uh, I was fortunate we just had a sports psych available at Fort Stewart that I poured into and we went over that stuff and I kind of studied it on my own and, and then just some friends I met locally uh, personally in Savannah that really helped me out. So Raph, you talked about, um, you know, the experiences you had as an army wrestler and how it pushed you forward into what you're doing now. Looking back at those times though, I want to hear what, in your memory, what was probably your toughest or hardest practice in the Army wrestling room and or conditioning workout? And for those that don't know, Raf was one of the hardest, if not the hardest worker in the room, hence oh, yeah. why he won the two-time Mr. Intensity. Let's dive that a little bit. For, let, let's, let's, let's talk Raf Tensity. We, uh, we, we glazed over it in the beginning, but um, <laughs> so Raf was two-time – Raf Tensity or Mr. Intensity award recipient three if you count the prep school. I thought you got it every year personally. I feel like I was duped when I found when we were talking about the show um, that uh, it was that you hadn't won, hadn't got it every year. But so how did that come to be? How did that? How did you be? Who coined you Raf Tensity? Because I don't remember ever. You know, it wasn't Lance Penhale. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they had that award. Uh, yeah, I'd say this all humbly, of course. <laughs> but the prep school, like, I don't think Eddie given, like, I don't think awards were given out. I think Eddie, like, started, he, he had, like, a fake banquet. He just made uh, it up. Pretty sure at his house. <laughs> and we, like, all got an award. Like, you know, uh, we all got some corny little award and, I think the Mr. Intensity Award was like an actual thing at, at Army at that point. Well, I, I know it was. Um, and so he called it like, you know, the Mr. Intensity Award in, in, in the stead of our fake banquet in some New Jersey backyard uh, at, at Eddie Gibbons' place. And uh, yeah, I think that that stuck just because, I mean, I don't know how to describe myself as intense, I, I suppose. Uh, yes. <laughs> I've won the intensity award uh, every year since I've graduated as well. Luckily, my wife has has tamed that intensity a bit um, and told me that I'm not that tight. But uh, she <laughs> she's she's been helpful in that. Anyone that knows Allie, she's a, she's an angel, man. Um, so I've 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 calmed down a bit. But yeah, the uh, I I think I just had a fighter's mentality from growing up with my. Um, my mom's a, she's a tough woman. Um, she survived, uh, a lot of adversity and she just taught me to fight. Uh, so it, no matter what it was, like, man, if it was a math test, like I'm fighting, if it was a run up a hill, I'm fighting. If it was wrestling practice, I'm fighting. And that to me was very normal. <laughs> Apparently it was not normal to uh, be that intense all the time. Um, so, uh, I think when there's an intensity award on the team, yeah, I think I, I might uh I fall into that I fall into that circle a bit. Uh I don't know if I could have got it every year. I think Mergen got it once. Ryan Tompkins mm. is a pretty intense dude. Refer to them. Um no big deal. But yeah, the uh it stuck, Brian. And then I think Lance Penhill called me that when I was like a plebe one one day. And it just was like that was it, man. It stuck for good. 
That sounds like a Lance thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very Lance thing. So taking your your intensity into the room, what's your your memory? Toughest practice, man. Um, there's some tough ones that come to mind. There's some there's some ones in uh, the indoor obstacle course with with Joe with 45 pound plates over our head that come to mind pretty quick. Some stair repeats with him that come to mind. Um, there's some long drills and live sessions with Chuck that come to mind. There's some lifts where I thought I was going to pass out with Eddie Gibbons as a use master that come to mind. But there, I mean, there is one practice uh, that tops them all. I think Brian was there for this. I don't know if I was a yuck and Jordan was there. He might have been. Uh, but the, the, the most evil of evil conditioners was a man by the name of Ryan Wilman. Um, <laughs> he likely flirted with the line of legality from the years. <laughs> now nah, this is getting recorded. So, um, yeah, he, he, uh, he is an intense dude that came from an intense environment at West Virginia. And he replicated that in some workouts that made me, uh, that made me want to want to quit, but we didn't. And we pushed through one in particular was, was that weird time when we would do three a days, like during Christmas uh, in preparation for the Southern scuffle. And uh, I remember, man, those, those night sessions were just with Ryan, I think in Rocco Mansueto uh, was there at the time as well. And uh, Rocco is the type of guy that puts a weight vest on in the sauna and like, you know, drills in there, shadow wrestles in there by himself for hours. So he can go all day and Ryan didn't go all day, but he can yell all day. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) the, the machine put us through this. It was like a hang clean sprint workout where you had like corners, uh, corner set up with hang clean bars and then corner set up with sprints. And he was just whistling and running and hang cleaning all night. I'm pretty sure Chuck, uh, he like brought us down there and he's like, all right, man, we're going to do ourselves a, a little conditioning with coach Ryan and he's going to take care of um, I got some work to do. So I'm going to step out. Um, I think we lost B rub. That's all right. Keep going, Raph. Uh, and we and he pretty much crushed our soul uh, in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, I remember sprints. I remember hand cleans. I remember not ever wanting to experience that again. And I remember Ryan Woman being the person that created it. So. He certainly seemed to get a lot of enjoyment out of those things. Shout out Ryan Woman. Thanks for all you did and putting us through misery. Yeah, man. The will the the. The West Virginian went to the city. It's the greatest story ever told. Um, love will make you do crazy things. Love that guy hanging out in the city. Living in Jersey. Well, I think that's pretty much uh, everything we wanted to get out of. You got anything you want to tell the Beehaw Nation yeah, or any of your classmates or anything like that? No, man. I, uh, you know, Jordan and Brian, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. This is awesome. And I think it's only going to keep growing. Um, I'm going to listen to every episode probably a couple times, uh, especially when some of our buddies pop up here. But I, I think it's awesome that you're spreading the love across classes, uh, across different players. I know you're going to go through different coaches, different uh, players, different guys like Doxy, people that are involved with the program. And I think it's going to grow and spread the, the good news of Army Wrestling as as Coach Ward likes to say. Um, for all those families out there, for all the wrestlers out there, you know, I think it's 
it's it's cool that this weekend is graduation weekend and i know that uh yeah i know that's a that's probably a challenge it, we're seeing like people pop up on social media like eight years ago we graduated and that stuff flies by man and that was a great memory um and that day was awesome but like it doesn't it pales in comparison uh to the brothers that you have on your team the phone calls that uh Jordan and I have had the, the memories Brian and I have of just being best friends so like that one day is a day but like I, I can tell you being an army wrestler like graduation is just a gateway into a lifetime of friendships and a lifetime of being at each other's weddings going to each other's baptisms going to um, each other's kids when they're when they're when they're born their birthdays and stuff so um the Army Wrestling family, the Brotherhood, the B-Hall Nation, uh, if, if you're graduating this week or should have graduated this week, or maybe you're a recent grad, or maybe you're an Army wrestler or want to be, man, you got 30, 40, 50 years of being, being a B-Hall. So, uh, you know, tune into this podcast, learn, learn what the history of the, of the program was and, um, and make it part of you. So, yeah, I love what you guys are doing, and, and I'm glad you're doing it. Um, Thanks, Raph. We appreciate it. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be nice to get um, – some of the older old grads on uh, in a few of the following episodes and, and kind of talk through their experiences a little bit. Um, we're getting big time though. We have a sponsor for the show. So we want to, you know, give a special shout out to uh, glazed over donuts. Um, yeah. <laughs> right in downtown beacon, uh, New York. So Tompkins family, uh, a lot of the, uh, the newer, the newer uh, old grads uh, know about glazed over pretty well. Um, but for, yeah. Any of the older, uh, the older old grads coming back to West Point, uh, maybe for a reunion or a football weekend, check out Glazed Over Donuts and Beacon. Great, great homemade donuts. Grab yeah, you a man. quick hot dog. Let's go. <laughs> Let's send something out here. I haven't had a donut in months. <laughs> How many weddings hey. have you uh, have you missed being deployed, Raph? I feel like probably at least ten. <laughs> Dude, COVID saved me, man. COVID saved me. They all got delayed. <laughs> There's like six weddings that Allie and I are RSVP to in the hopper, pushed right, good to go. Um, For the listeners yeah, out there, no, I don't, don't know. I think, I, think, I think, what's that, man? I was going to say, for the listeners out there that don't know, uh, as much as uh, James Rafferty is known for his raftensity, he's also known for his uh, role in – uh, the brotherhood of just weddings. He's been a groomsman in more weddings than I've been invited to. Um, <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's something we need to get on this, uh, this show right now. So he was originally casted for Wedding <laughs> Crashers, but slowly, you know, Vince Vaughn was just a little more talented, but he did make a scene oh, no. in the sixth sense. Can you confirm that? Uh. I can confirm Childhood actor, yes or no? Scene. Come on now. I can confirm it wasn't one scene. I can say that. Um, my guys found that out while we were out here. And I was out doing something, man. And they got me good, bro. They downloaded it somewhere. <laughs> and I came in for, like, dinner. I sit down. And the whole team's in there watching it just roaring. Um <laughs> I don't, I don't know how they figured it out, man, but I didn't say a thing. I think it got leaked out here at some point because my brother, my buddy Ryan Johnson's out here. I don't blame him for it. I, I don't know what happened, but uh, yeah, that was uh, 
maybe that's how I was able to sell Chuck Barbie. I acted as a put together 16 year old who knew how to wrestle and he bought it. So yeah, that's cool. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Maybe we should, awesome. we should probably end on that note. Appreciate you coming coming on the show. Yeah, man. Um, appreciate what you guys are doing. I love you guys. I miss you guys. Uh, to all the Army wrestlers out there, I uh, hope to see you guys soon. Reach out if you need anything. Uh, you call. Stay safe, Raph. Love you, bud. See you, man. I'll see you. Thanks for tuning in to the B-Hall Radio Show. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. If there's something you'd like to hear on a future show, reach out to us on any of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can reach us at email, bhaw.radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and as always, go Army, be Navy.